Hi there, this is Danny Klein Modisette welcoming you to the Afterbirth Podcast, where we feature real stories about raising kids that you're not going to read in a parenting magazine. Our next live Afterbirth show is going to be this Saturday night, January 26th, and it features Emmy winners Lou Schneider and Matt Price, Christy Callahan, and Carol Schlanger. So please call the MBAR at 323-856-0036 for reservations today. Okay, now from the vast Afterbirth archives, we're bringing you a piece written by me, because it's my birthday this week, and it's called The Cookie Story. It was recorded at the MBAR in Hollywood, California in 2008, and I hope you like it. All right, so here's a little slice of life for you. Mommy? Mommy? Mom? Mom? Mom, 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 I'm hungry, mom. I'm hungry. I'm hungry, mom. Mom, 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 did you hear me? Mom, huh, huh, did you hear me? Mom, mom, mommy, mommy, mom, 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 I'm hungry, mom. I'm really, really, really hungry, Mom. Okay. I hear you, but I don't think you're really hungry. You just had lunch an hour ago. No, but I didn't have dessert, Mom. I didn't have dessert. Dessert? Yeah, dessert. I didn't have dessert with my dinner. Lunch, with your lunch. With my lunch. I didn't have dessert with my lunch. I need a cookie, Mom. I need one. I do. I need it. I need a cookie. Mom. 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 Mommy. 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 Mom. 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 I need it. I need a cookie. Please. And then the crying starts. My almost three-year-old son lies face down on the kitchen floor and wails. (laughs) Tears pour out of his eyes so profusely. I know I will slip on them minutes later when I give in and step over him to get a graham cracker from the out-of-reach cabinet. I will hand it to him like an enemy flies a white flag because I can't take it another minute. All his raw longing It cuts right through me and connects me to everything I've ever wanted desperately and couldn't have, and I need to go lie down. (laughs) That's what makes spending as much time with my son as I do such a challenge. Not his refusal to potty train or leaving mud footprints on floors I have cleaned on my knees. It's all that undiluted emotion coming at me all day. The joy is nice, of course, but fleeting. Outpaced. (laughs) outpaced by the devastation over a squished Play-Doh caterpillar, the rage and then heaving sobs over a banana at the YMCA. It's broken, Mommy! It's broken! I can't eat it! (laughs) The wounded and bewildered look he gives me when one of his friends doesn't want to play with him and skips off with someone else. Some days I say to him, you're right, Gabriel. It is very, very upsetting. And none of it makes any sense. And I want to throw my arms around his disproportionately big head and whisper in his tiny, cool ear, I know. 
I know, Gabriel. Other than cookies and the cappuccino you'll get to enjoy later in life, it's all really, really hard and <laughs> random. <laughs> you are right to cry. But by the time I move in to hold him, his eyes are dry and he's giggling with his best friend about a ladybug they have found. I wonder about my emotion-validating parenting style, such an obvious reaction to my German-Jewish suck-it-up philosophy I was raised with. <laughs> Even as an adult, when my father was dying of cancer 10 years ago and I expressed my sadness to my mother in a moment of lapsed judgment, she clenched her jaw and said, no one is interested in your feelings. <laughs> I have very few memories from when I was Gabriel's age, but extrapolating back, I'm pretty sure that crying over a banana didn't get me many hugs. Maybe continually going into the eye of the emotional storm with Gabriel helps him because unlike me, he already has one of the seven habits of highly successful people down pat. He has a reaction to something and then he's over it. He moves on. I don't know how to do this. I read self-help books on it. I meditate with Deepak Troper tapes and take Tony Robbins seminars where I walk on hot coals to learn to be so detached from my pain I don't even feel it. But still, I wallow. I milk it. It might be from all those years in acting class being told to feel my feelings. But maybe I can't let go of my pain because I'm still waiting for mommy to say, I hear you, and I'm sorry you feel that way. So Gabriel gets to feel his feelings, and they pass like those firecracker poppers you throw on the ground to ignite, leaving only a speck of charred red paper. And I stand there as many as 20 times a day, I counted once, with the figurative dustpan in my hand, tearfully sweeping up his detritus as he races off. Which is precisely why God made martinis, my older sister told me last week on the phone. She hasn't been sober a day since 1993 when she had her first child. It's cold in Boston, so she has spent a lot of indoor time with her two children. Mommy is on the phone with Aunt Danny. You two will just have to work it out. Go bother your father. She's not telling her children not to have feelings like our mother did to us. She's simply saying, don't have them in front of me. <laughs> Being denied cookies, however, is the one disappointment Gabriel has not mastered. Cookie pining, if you will, is my son Achilles' heel. It was mine, too. My earliest memory is of our dog, uh, pug dog, Petey, grabbing a cookie out of my hand and wheezing off with it. I still remember how disorienting it was to look up and see grown-ups laughing at this unfathomable tragedy. <laughs> what the hell is so fucking funny? I would have asked, but I was too. I am uniquely empathic to my son's cookie issues. I find distraction is the most effective method in stabilizing him, so I thank God for SpongeBob and his square pants. Because although Gabriel may not be allowed a fistful of animal crackers before dinner, he is permitted to watch television after the sun goes down or earlier if mommy is falling apart. 
Gabriel's tears stopped flowing midstream down his chubby cheeks at the sound of the ruddy old pirate singing about the pineapple under the sea where SpongeBob lives. Okay, Mom, he said to me last night as I ushered him out of the kitchen, but I like to watch TV and eat snacks on the couch. <laughs> no shit, I thought. But instead, I seized the moment to bond with my toddler. I like to eat snacks on the couch too, Gabriel. I like to sit on the couch with a bottle of wine or two, a trough of kettle corn, and a gallon of Ben and Jerry's cookie dough ice cream that is all mine so I can pick out all the cookie dough globs myself. That's what I like to do. Huh? The TV was on, he hadn't heard a word I'd said. Then, without turning his head from the screen, he asked simply and quietly, can I have a cookie now, Mom? Wow, he's got perseverance down too. Never take no for an answer. The previous hysteria in the kitchen hadn't ruffled him at all. It's like it never happened. He didn't take it personally that I said no cookies before dinner eight times only minutes ago. He'd forgotten all about it. He let a few minutes pass by to recharge and then it was simply time to ask again. <laughs> I am living with Brian Grazer. <laughs> I caved. One cookie wasn't going to spoil his dinner, and I was due for a fix myself. So I got him one and took four for me. I sat next to him on the couch, and we chewed together with SpongeBob's buddy Patrick sobbing in the background. Gabriel opened his mouth to speak, chewed graham cracker oozing out between his teeth. Thanks, Mom. You're welcome, honey. Oh, SpongeBob, I love you, Patrick said, hugging his friend. Pause. Can I have another cookie, Mom? Please, please, Mom, please, I need it. I need it, I need just one more, please. I sank back into the couch and put a pillow over my head. And right on cue, his begging became the soundtrack for a montage of my life, which I decided to narrate for him. I remember when I was just a year or two older than you, Gabriel, my parents took me to the circus for the first time and all I wanted was some cotton candy. Who cared about juggling in clown suits? I wanted that pink candy more than anything, and they wouldn't buy it for me. Why? Why, Gabriel? I also really wanted to be Little Miss America, but I tripped walking across the stage at Palisades Amusement Park in New Jersey with a number pinned to my chest. I cried all the way home in our brown Cadillac because I was such a loser, but also because I really wanted to go on a few of the rides, you know, as a consolation prize, and my father wouldn't let me. It's fixed! We're going home, he said, chomping on tums. Then I really wanted a pet chicken, so I brought home a baby chicken. It died in a box in our garage while I was away at camp. In the seventh grade, I really wanted to marry Jim Rhodes more than anything in life, but I wasn't blonde and we were 12. Even for the devout Catholic he was, that was too young. I still wanted to marry him in high school, but by then he figured out I was Jewish, so all hope for my future in the Garden Club of Westport, Connecticut, as Mrs. Rhodes was destroyed. At college, I so wanted a trust fund like all the rich preppy kids I met, but did my parents give me one? No. Instead, I had to wait on all these entitled assholes burning my hands, foaming milk for their skim lattes. It was like Dickens. <laughs> <sighs> Only not as important. When I went to New York, after being rejected from the Yale School of Drama three times, something I wanted very 
Gabriel, for God's sake. I mean, how else was I going to be the next Meryl Streep without that? And her patrician profile and regal presence, and gee, maybe some gift for performing Shakespeare, but at least I would have had the goddamn degree. I could have become a big teacher with an MFA from Yale, Gabriel. Do you even know who Meryl Streep is? No, of course you don't. But you know who Holly Hunter is, don't you? Sure, she's the voice of Mrs. Incredible. Must be nice to be able to have twins at 46. She is fucking incredible. Oh, Gabriel. I want to drink champagne all the time. Like other people, drink water. And I did back in the early 90s, and that's why mommy doesn't drink anymore. And now, what do I want now? An endless amount of cookies, just like you, and to live in a country that's not run by Lord Fauntleroy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I never want to rinse another dish, or brush my teeth, or get up from sitting on this couch next to you. Ever. That's what I want, Gabriel. Gabriel? Huh? <laughs> nothing. What, Mommy? N nothing, really. It's just, uh, well, that's all the cookies you get tonight. Oh. That's it. Okay, for more information about Afterbirth, the book, the live show, or to comment on the podcast, please visit www.afterbirthstories.com. Remember, our next Afterbirth show will be at M-Bar in Hollywood this Saturday, January 26th, featuring Lou Schneider, Christy Callahan, Matt Price, and more. The number to call for reservations is 323-856-0036. This is going to be our last show for a little while, so if you haven't seen one yet, please come check us out. You won't regret it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.